One man, one mission, to equip the Church of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and awaken the Church to the voice of the Spirit. David Cuppet brings to you the School of the Holy Spirit from one of his many missions from around the world, where he aligns with apostolic leaders to eradicate spiritual blindness and reveal the true authority of believers in Christ, to prophesy, heal the sick, raise the dead, and cleanse the lepers. Open your heart and get ready to receive all that the Holy Spirit has for you in this week's session of the School of the Holy Spirit. School is in session. You guys ready? It's been an awesome weekend, huh? You know, the theme of intimacy, um, I didn't really know how deep the Lord was going to cut. And um, man, he's just, he's done a really deep thing uh, with this weekend with revealing what he wants to, to remove so that your time, your heart um, is given to the, to the spirit and the presence of the Lord. Amen. And so um, I want to continue with this theme of intimacy. Um, I got to warn you, though. I had uh, nice Dave was going to show up today with a nice, you know, soft message, palatable to the Sunday morning church crowd. But Jesus woke me up this morning, didn't even let me sleep in. And uh, the the thing that I heard this morning um, from the the Lord's voice was, um, awaken the wild ones. I want my wild bride. I want my wild ones. And he took me to this scripture that, man, I mean, he just, he started talking to me about this scripture and (laughs) this is out of Luke 19, verse 30 and 31. And the context, the context is Jesus standing on the Mount overlooking the city of Jerusalem two weeks ahead of the time on the cross, okay? And Jesus is looking out over Jerusalem and he he begins to weep and he begins to reveal that the people that he came for missed their time of visitation, which is the word you heard this morning from the prophetic voice. The visitation that Jesus came and wanted to encounter his people, his bride, he wept because they missed it. He, they, he, he wept because they couldn't receive him. And, and the, Lord, the Lord took me to this. Uh, that, so that's the context of the scripture. And he turns to his disciples in, in verse 30. And he says, go into the city and you will find a wild colt tied. He says, untie him. If they ask you um, what it's for, he says, untie them. For the Lord has need of, of the colt, has, has need of it. And, and it's a picture, it's a prophetic picture of, as Jesus is weeping, he's also prophesying. He's also saying the bride that was tied up to the dead temple, the place where they worship the ark and the law and the system that could not reveal um, or could not deliver Christ, or could not deliver the people um, because they were tied to systems and routines and regulation, and they chose to stay at the bottom of the mountain rather than ascend and meet the Lord face to face, he was actually prophesying um, to his disciples, go untie that colt, 
for the Lord has need of him. True. And the Lord is talking to his church today saying that uh, those of you who have been bound and tied up and connected to the dead things of religious systems, the Lord is here to untie his bride because that, that cult is what Jesus rode upon on Palm Sunday. That cult is what launched Jesus on the, on the pathway of going into Gethsemane where he said, Father, take this cup from me. But if it is your will, your will be done, right? He, the heaviness of sin, the weight of the world is on him. And, and he endures through the night. He goes to the cross and, and he, he, he literally gives up the spirit, trusting that in his death, the spirit would come and resurrected him. He trusted the Holy Spirit. And he, it's a reflection, it's a picture of an absolute dependence on the Holy Spirit. You see, the dead church system, the, religious, um, uh, of the, the religion of the day went through the routines and the religion and, and, and their processes in the temple. And the bride, the, the body, was tied to a dead thing. And Jesus went to the cross to take that dead thing to the grave in trusting the Holy Spirit that when Jesus went into the darkness, he took the keys from Satan, right? He took all the keys. So Jesus not only has the keys of life, he has the keys of death and sin. He holds all keys. So if Jesus holds all keys, how many keys does Satan have? Zero. Jesus has all authority. Satan has zero. And so when Jesus in death conquered hell in the grave, trusted in that moment that the Holy Spirit was going to raise him up. It was a picture, okay? Because when he ascended out of hell, he walks on the earth for 40 days, right? Yeah. And in that time, he tells the believers, the, the followers, the 120 that end up in the upper room, he tells them, don't leave this city until I send upon you the power of the Holy Spirit. Until I clothe you, until I equip my bride with what is needed to bring you close to me. You see, the bride was tied to a dead thing before Jesus took sin, death, and hell to the grave and was resurrected by the Spirit. And the thing that raised Christ from the dead, he valued so much. He told what would become the church. He told them, don't leave this place until I equip you. Because the Holy Spirit is going to allow you to come close to me where the religious system and the law of Moses, the dead thing, couldn't. The Spirit of God is going to reach into you and make you something you could never make on your own. So your value system is not in a dead religious system. It's not in routines and church Sundays and attendance. It's not in that thing. It's in you being clothed in the Holy Spirit. It's your trust in the only thing that raised Jesus up. It wasn't a bunch of memorized scripture that raised Jesus up. It was the Holy Ghost. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a bunch of routines and processes that Jesus depended on. It was the third part of the Godhead, the living Christ, the presence of God on earth. The Spirit of Christ. What a picture. Don't try to do it on your own. Come on. You're wasting your time. That's what he told his, his believers. You're wasting your time. You're still going to be tied just like they were in the dead system. 
if you reject my spirit. The only thing that can raise you up, the only thing that can equip you is the living spirit of God. One thing. We complicate, we complicate it, and we dumb everything down. But Jesus actually requires your life. He wants your heart to embrace the one thing he gives that gives life. It was the Holy Ghost that brought life to his willingness to go into hell. His willingness to go into death. The Holy Ghost raised him up. And he gave it to you. He gave it to you. So where's your value system at? Jesus was prophesying that even if you don't believe, guess what? Jesus is coming for you. He looked at a tied up bride that he wept over. He wept over it. And he says, you're supposed to be carrying me into cities. Get the picture? You're supposed to be carrying me into cities. And he sent his disciples to go untie it. Amen? Are there any disciples in here going to untie dead things? Living things that think they're alive, but they're actually tied to dead things. Uh, Are are there any? Are there any? Are there any disciples? Are there any disciples working in the power of the Holy Spirit? Amen? Untie the bride. You see, the bride has to be properly positioned in the presence of the Lord to receive. Right? We talked about intimacy over the last few days and how that spiritual process works. It's actually pretty simple. You have to give your way to the, to the Spirit. You have to give your heart to the Spirit of God. Trust that when the Spirit prays through you, the Spirit of God is going to resurrect anything that is dead in you. Come on. Right? Come on. Come on. You mean it's as simple as me trusting that when I get baptized in the Holy Ghost, no matter what problem is in front of me right now at this moment, I go like this. And the voice of God promises to bring life into me. Promises to plant a seed in me. It's going to bring forth life. Amen. So as a bride, are you properly positioned? Or are you tied to a dead thing? And again, I wasn't planning this message. This is Jesus waking me up this morning. So if I'm all over over the place, this is Jesus, okay? Jesus is pointed today with wanting his bride to be open to him. With wanting his bride to look to one place. Not to systems and routines and and, and people trying to achieve uh, a spiritual relationship through trying to read and performance. Anybody anybody do the read read your Bible in one year plan? (laughs) Do you? Every year, do do you, do you rely on the Holy Spirit to reveal and yeah. trust? Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so the Spirit of God, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 actually says that only the Spirit of God can give life to the, to the Scripture. Man can't understand it. Right? Man can't, can't connect the dots. Amen? Amen? Only the Spirit of God can reveal but if, you, but if you center your Christian walk simply on trying to understand the Bible, you're missing it. Because it's not about discovering simply what Scripture means. It's actually you and the Lord in an intimate relationship positioned to actually hear. What if he wants to talk to you about your finances? What if he wants to talk to you about your 
the problem you have with a, a child? What if he wants to talk to you about your job? You're going to get fired next week, but you know what? I had it planned. And if you listen to me, this is the two steps that are going to happen. And you go in prepared. And when they, when they fire you, you already knew it ahead of time because you had a prayer life. Amen? That's deep, intimate relationship, right? A bride that relies on the Holy Spirit in all facets of life. Amen? All facets. Not just church. It's not just about church. It's about life. Jesus is interested in producing life all around you. Not just kind of looking righteous and holy in church. That's good. I see people pulling their tr- in the, in, pulling the parking lot. Husband and wife been fighting, chatting at each other. Sh- 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 all of a sudden, you pull in the parking lot. Church face goes on. <laughs> Got to look apart. Oh, sorry. I'm getting too deep. There. <laughs> but it's real. It's real life. True. Right? Yeah. Right? We all, we all have our chat, chat, chats. But at the end of the day... Jesus can change our character, right? Jesus, the Holy Spirit, changes who and what we are. Amen? Jesus has the power to do that. And so um, uh, the other scripture that the Lord kind of wanted me to dig into today is um, Ephesians 5. I'm going to talk about the position of husband and wife. Um, It's it's particular to a a marital relationship with a husband and wife, but it's also a picture of Jesus and his bride. Okay? And so Ephesians... Uh, chapter 5, um, I think verse 22, uh, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church. And gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water of the word. The word word there is the word rhema. It actually means that the husband relies on the prophetic voice of the Lord to deliver his family. So if the head is out of place and not hearing the Lord, guess what? The wife is out of position because she has to supplant her husband's authority because he chooses not to hear the voice of God. That he may wash her with what the Lord is saying to him about his family. When my kids were growing up, we used to sit around the kitchen table and we'd sit there and pray. And I taught them about praying in tongues and we'd sit there and everybody would go around the table. And I mean, we had some amazing times. What do you see? What's the Lord showing you? Cammie and Cole. Cammie is Cole's older sister of one year. She'd sit at the table and this one time, Cammie and Cole got into this this vision. And Cammie says, I see us all as a family on on horses. And the Lord is is leading us up to this castle. And all of a sudden, Cole jumps in and Cole starts going, yeah. And we go into the castle. Jesus starts putting swords in our hands. And he starts putting armor on us. And my wife and I are sitting there weeping as our children are prophesying the vision of the Lord to us. Amen. Cole, Cole at the time was seven and Cammie was eight years old, prophesying to their parents. So if the husband is out of place and doesn't make a place for the Lord to speak in his family, who is who's ruling? 
How's it work? You compromising, making it work, right? You have deals. You manage this. I'll manage this. Don't touch that. Don't touch this. You have caution tape down the middle. You can't cross because she's going to, ah! Right? Come on, preach and then if And then if uh, he crosses the caution tape, right? Ah! Everybody's, ah! <laughs> but the wife also has a position. And this may not fit well with American society and today's culture in, in North America, right? Wives, submit to your husband. And that doesn't mean that you know, you stay in a bad, um, broken place, but it does mean that there's a relational dynamic where the bride receives what the, what the husband is hearing, right? That doesn't mean that the wife can't hear, but the Lord has a way. It's a prophetic picture of his church. Jesus is positioned as the head to cover his bride with fresh rhema words, wow. dreams and visions, Right? That he wants to flood into the hearts of his, all of his people, wives yes. and husbands. Yes. Okay? Right? Yep. And the bride, if they're tied like that cult to a dead religious system, not able to hear, even though Jesus wants to speak. Right? The Spirit of God, as the head, desires to speak to his bride. Yeah. But if the bride isn't listening because she has closed herself off because she just, she's going into this routine, right? She just goes into this routine. She goes through her formulas. She figures out a couple scriptures on a daily basis and makes herself feel good. But the family isn't hearing or the family isn't interacting, right? How's it working? What's the bride actually reflecting? Is the bride reflecting what the Lord is saying? No. Not at all. And then you wonder why most of the American church is dead. Because they don't pray. People aren't equipped. The bride doesn't know how to be positioned to hear the voice of the Lord. Amen? The bride actually has a responsibility. Jesus said it this way. Whoever desires to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. And if you think you're going to make yourself look good or feel good, simply by trying to play the part of a church organization, but yet you don't hear the Lord, yep. you're fooling yourself. Yep. You, every one of you, yep. are designed to hear the voice of the yes. Lord. Yes. Every one of you have a call of God on your yes. life, yes. and it can only be discovered when you position yourself, the body, as the bride, because Jesus is speaking to his bride at all times. Yes. Not just when the preacher gets in the pulpit. Actually, the manna falls every day. Yes. And the manna actually used to melt by midday. And if you didn't get up to get your word, to get your manna, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Do you set your alarm? Do you set your daily process of getting up to get the manna? The manna is melting, church. It turns to worms if you don't pick it up. Right? So a bride has to be positioned correctly. It's actually a requirement. It is. Mm-hmm. You, you, don't, you can't get to heaven. You can't get to the presence of the Lord your way. Yep. I taught you all weekend about why he baptizes people in the gift of the Holy Gift, why he equips you with the gift of tongues, and you have the 
ability when you know how to pray in the spirit to position yourself as the bride. I'm talking to all of you now, not just women. I'm talking to the bride. That's you, the church. The bride has the ability to position themselves to hear. And here's the deal, guys. If you don't hear, you can't reproduce. You're fooling yourself. You can't multiply what you don't hear. So good. Jesus equated the living voice, prophecy, dreams, and vision. He equated, he equated it as seed. Right? Yeah. Living seed. Living seed that impregnates the bride. Right? Impregnates the bride. And the bride, carrying what the Lord said, gives birth. Is anybody pregnant? (laughs) Has anybody heard a word from the Lord this week? Come on, church. Have you heard from God? Have you said, I heard from my God. I don't care what I used to be last week. He said, I'm this and I'm going to do that. And I carry the living seed. That meeting on Friday night was wild, right? You saw the supernatural of God. You saw prophecy, you saw demons cast out, you saw people getting supernaturally shaken, you saw people laying in the aisles weeping and crying, because Jesus, the head, the one who impregnates his bride was present, okay? You can't be impregnated as a bride and expect to multiply without letting the king into the bridegroom chamber. <laughs> you know, I counsel people once in a while, not too often. Uh, it's one, it's, you know, when you sit with a group of counselors, especially with a pastoral anointing, they're a lot more soft. When you, when you sit with me, as my wife will attest to you, um, you're probably going to get truth in about five minutes. I'm going to cut the cancer out of your heart, and you're going to quickly be able to make a decision whether you're going to wrap yourself around life or continue in your dead thing. Okay? And so, in... in <laughs> yeah. Let's just move. Let's just transition counseling in the house to prophetic deliverance and anointing. And let the living Christ his church bring people to repentance fall on your face I'm sorry get up receive the living life of Christ and move on with life amen when young couples um, knock on my door and say hey uh, man we really loved your Holy Ghost class and we we received the Holy Ghost and we're thinking about getting married can you you know talk to us a little bit sure and I talked to the husband about his role, right? Yeah. About covering his family in prayer, prophetically releasing prophecy and words of knowledge and releasing the word of the Lord over his kids. And there's many other things, right, with that. With that. But the, the, the other piece with, with the wife um, is what the scripture said, um, being submitted to receive. And this is kind of where we get into the wild, the wild one discussion, okay? Because, <laughs> i got to be delicate here. There you go. <laughs> Wild ones. You see, we have a culture. We have this culture in America. Um, I don't know how ingrained it is here in Canada. But um, I am all for women's rights. 
Um, I in no way want women to be degraded. Come on. Women um, have a place. Women are, there's women preachers, women prophets, women evangelists. I believe in all of that. Okay. But there's a, there's a prophetic picture that the Lord keeps taking the church back to. And that is Ephesians five wives submit to your husbands. Um, and you know, one of the biggest arguments in a marriage is he's chasing her down all the time for sex. And she's saying, no, 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 right? And it's all fine and dandy when they're in love and they're ooey and gooey. Uh, but the question is, you know, in a year from now, after you say yes, um, and you get into routine life, are you still going to be saying yes? And do you understand the way he's wired? Because he's wired to be wild. He's wired to hunt, to kill, and to chase you down, girl. <laughs> Amen. He's going to hunt you. She wakes up in the middle of the night. How'd you get there? I don't know. I don't know how I got there. No, I'm being real. You got to be real. I'm running around the house. I'm running around the house doing, fixing something. I got, I don't know. I forget something. Got to change my clothes. I run into the bedroom and, and I see Shelly naked. She's about to get. Oh, <laughs> it's on the wild one. You see, I, I work more having some real jokes. Come on, I'm a wild one. I love my wife. And women, women, if you think your husband's going to love you by sitting there chitter-chattering with you, listen, he's not wired like that. He will do that, but it's not a condition of the other thing. You with me? I'm serious here. It, sex is not a condition. Intimacy is not conditional. Jesus wants his bride available to him at all times. All times. I'm talking to you, church. Jesus came to untie his colt. And he came to heal and fix some marriages in here today. It's not all his fault. It's not all her fault either. Tell me about how you prophesied over her. Right? Tell me about how you cared for her, how you knew what she needed, how you took care of her. Come on. But how'd she take care of you? <laughs> we, we think that we're going to sit alone by ourselves and read a couple of scriptures and make us feel good, yet we don't get intimate with the king. And the bride is supposed to be intimate with the king. Right. Yeah. You feel the Lord? You yeah. feel the Lord just yeah. step into yeah. the room? Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's good. He's after you guys. Yeah. I guarantee this afternoon when you normally would be watching your lacrosse or your hockey or whatever, you're, you're, you're going to be sitting there going, talk about sex in church. <laughs> <laughs> 
The reflection of your marriage is a reflection of your relationship with him. You can't have a broken thing on earth yet think you're whole with him. And remember, this message didn't exist till, till this morning. You see, culture inundates, you know, how a woman thinks, right? Oh, women's live. I don't need to do that. I'm my own thinker. I'm my own doer. Well, then why does the Lord still believe in marriage and have a relational dynamic that's supposed to be uh, the main part of the church? Healed families. Healed families bring a healed church. Properly positioned husband and wives bring a proper, properly positioned church. That's right. Amen. So the church, why does, you know, one of the things when I travel different places, um, one of the things that stands out to me is why are there always more women in the church than men? Could it be that more churches look like society and liber the women's liberation movement than they do reflecting the bride of Christ? You see, there's a relational dynamic. You attract what you are. Yes. You yes. attract what you are, okay? Whoa. Why do, why do wild men not want to come into a dead religious place? Ooh. Because they don't see the power. They don't see people getting healed. They don't see real. They, they say, I'm a wild one, but you don't look wild. You actually look like a dead cage place. Whoa. You look like a place that would actually tie me up. Whoa. Put chains on me. Put shackles on my feet. Whoa. I don't want that. Whoa. Come on. That's good. Wow. That's good word. <laughs> you attract what you are. <laughs> you see a seeker sensitive church. <laughs> you know, they reproduce through marketing, palatable messages. Things that actually invite people and then make sure they feel good and stay. As you probably are aware, I'm not into that. Neither are we. <laughs> I'm here to get you closer to Jesus. Yes. I'm here to get you into his presence so deeply that you hear his voice. You know who you are because you have allowed yourself to receive what he's saying to you. You've allowed him to plant his seed in your life. You know, one vision, one dream from the Lord can change your life. It's earth changing. One encounter. One decision. Can a bride, can a, can a woman get pregnant in one night? Can your life change in an instant? You see, a lot of church people don't believe that. They've been sitting in the same chair in the same pew for 30 years. Wondering why. Wondering, is this it? Yet they haven't positioned themselves because they sit in a place that doesn't release the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, if, you're, if you present the power of the Holy Spirit and the, and the seed, right, the living voice, words of knowledge, prophecy, healing, all that stuff comes out of vision. It comes out of hearing the voice. It comes out of the unction of the Holy Spirit. It's actually Jesus invading the dark places in his bride. So if there's a dark place in the bride, it's because the leadership isn't hearing. It's because the body isn't hearing, right? 
So, you know, the way I look at church is like, all right, Lord, where's the broken people? Where's the broken marriages? Where's the people in need? Come on, Lord, I know you have seeds of life that will resurrect the dead. You're going to resurrect the dead. It takes one moment. That's why I don't waste time in counseling people. We identify the issue and we sink a seed into their heart. And it's up to you then to hold on to that seed because you've been given life. Amen? Amen. So to make a wild one, you have to have an intimate moment. What you experienced up here on Friday night, people weeping, crying, receiving the presence of the Lord, that's intimacy. That's, That's you allowing yourself as the bride to be intimate. To let his seed impregnate you so that something can birth in you. Because when you realize what prophecy is, the rhema word, prophecy actually, if the bride is positioned to receive it, she has to carry it for nine months, right? She has to care for it. She has to eat right. She has to do all these things. And then on the birthing table, she births something, and then she cares for this child, and it grows and grows and grows. And are you with me? Are you following a prophecy? Are you, in, are you in love with what the Lord has said to you and what you are and what you're be, going to become? Yeah. Because one of the most profound things when I talk to people and, and counsel people is the broken, the depressed, the people who are having a tough time, they're letting the oppression of the world have more of an influence than the seed that is planted in their heart. Because if you hold on to it, it will germinate. It will go to the time of birthing. It will produce life. The Lord says, my word will not return void. Right? Prophecies, dreams, and visions, everything that was spoken to you here over the last three days will produce life in Muskoka. Because it cannot be stopped. And I just, man, I just, I'm, I feel the, uh, the imploring of the, of the Lord just saying, thank you, Life Church, for letting me, for, not me, David. I'm saying, thank you, Life Church, for positioning yourself to hear my voice. Yes. Yes. We need it. It's the only way to go. You see, churches that don't, Embrace the pa- or the churches that don't embrace the evangelist, yeah. the apostle, yeah. and the prophet. Yeah. The male gifts yeah. create a female body that doesn't have male qualities. And without male qualities, you cannot reproduce. Right. If you're just pastoring and caring and trying to teach people, but you're not impregnating them with the male gifts. Get the picture? If you're not impregnating the body with the male gifts, it's impossible to reproduce. But if you if the male gifts are present, you will reproduce. It's his seed, it's his way. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> and so I just want to take a moment, you know, you may feel like I don't know, some of you may feel ashamed, some of you may feel like you got robbed, some of you may feel like, uh, you know, I just got gypped in life, right? I got gypped. Some of you have sat in churches um, <clears throat> for 10, 20 years. You have theologies that have produced a deadness in you, a no life, um, angry at the church, right? And those are, those are all representations of 
Um, a, a, somebody that has a prophetic potential, but's been put it this way: when Jezebel had the prophet sitting at her table, she actually took the prophets of God, made them eat her food, and castrated them. Oh! Could not reproduce. They could not reproduce because they sat under the spell of wrong doctrine. Jezebel. Societal influence that had more power using somebody who had the title of prophet to actually speak words but couldn't reproduce. But I hear the Lord say, I'm here to break Jezebel's table today. I've come to equip my body. You hear me? You see, a lot of people think they have the male qualities in the church, but they're only female. The male qualities are the, the reach of God into the community, the reach of God into dark places, prophecy, dreams, visions, right? <laughs> Words of knowledge, insight, the, the, the working of miracles. Yeah. That's the power of the Lord planting seeds and raising up dead things. Amen. Amen? Amen. I couldn't come up with that picture myself. Give the Lord a round of applause for that one. But here's what the Lord is saying. He said this in Revelation 2.20. I have this against you, Jezebel, because you, I have have this against you, church, because you tolerate that woman, Jezebel, who seduces my prophetic people to sit at her table. And I'm here to tell you, you are all born to prophesy. You are all born to heal the sick. You are all born to raise the dead. You are all born to reproduce. And Jezebel's influence over you is being severed in here today. No longer are you going to eat dead food. No longer are you going to eat dead religious contaminated food that makes you impotent. Amen. You were born to be supernatural. You were born to not sit there and just be fed what what the world feeds you. You were actually born again to be made the most powerful force on the earth. You should spend some time in Revelation 19. Jesus Christ, eyes burning with fire on a white horse, sword out of his mouth, robe dipped in blood, and on his leg is his name. It's called the Word of God. The Word of God is a name. Okay? The Word of God is a name. He's a person. Scripture is Scripture, but the Word speaks to you right now. The Word of God comes out of heaven with the army of God. That's the disciples. That's you coming out of heaven to flood the earth. To make the world a supernatural bride of Christ. That means they come out of heaven with the heart and the mind of Christ. I've come to baptize you in the Holy Ghost. i come to forgive your sin. i come to raise the dead, heal the sick, and reveal my power over the power of Satan. My power is greater than depression. My power is greater than broken marriages. My power is greater than any evil thing that this world has dropped on you. Amen. 
I like the confidence. You may say, why are you so bold in defining life and death? A dead bride and a, a live bride. How can you be so bold? What makes you so passionate about it? Well, you know what? I lived 36 years of my life dead. I lived 36 years of my life drowning myself in alcohol, drowning myself in trying to get a higher education, thinking that if I got another master's degree, if I got another master of business or engineering degree, that somehow that would make me feel better, that that would cover me, make me something better. And you know what? I got into my early 30s with four degrees, global director role, traveling the world, and unhappy is all get out. Because the churches that I sat in never had one ounce of wildness to them at all. Never had one ounce of the power of the Holy Ghost coming and speaking life into people, coming and seeing people get healed, coming and seeing demons cast out of people. Never saw it. And in fact, my sister-in-law moved into our house and she got radically saved and she said, you guys should come to our church. And I, I'd mock her. I didn't, I didn't go. I didn't go. I'm sitting there cracking my beard at age 36. Yeah, you have fun tonight. You have fun tonight. But the Lord started dealing with me. He started, he started invading my, my, my Saturday mornings. This always happened on a Saturday morning. I'd, have, I'd be laying there and like I'd almost be waking up, but I'd have this dream where I jumped out of bed, ran into my bathroom, and looked at my mirror and figured out that I was like 90 years old. I lived my whole life missing it. And I knew I had something bigger. And man, it put the fear of God in me. And I, I had it for like, I don't know, three months in a row every Saturday. I actually started to dread Saturday mornings. Okay? And all of a sudden, my sister-in-law asked us again, hey, there's this prophetic guy. I'm like, what do you mean prophetic guy? She goes, well, there's this guy that interprets dreams that's going to be coming to our church. And she goes, you should come. And I'm like, dreams? I'm having a lot of dreams. <laughs> <laughs> so my wife and I, we decide, you know what? We heard about this church. This is one of those churches that raises their hands. This is one of those, one of those churches that like really worship Jesus. And so we decided that, you know, we're just going to sneak in. We're just going to sneak in. We literally sat in the very back row, okay? And we're, we're sitting there. They finished praise and worship. They introduced the prophetic guy, okay? He stands up in a pulpit, and he starts to talk about some of the places the Lord has sent him and what he's doing. And all of a sudden, he, he's, he's looking around the room like radar just kicked in. He's looking, he's looking, he's looking. And all of a sudden, he zooms in like that's, I'm sitting right there, and he goes, he goes like this. He stopped his message. And he says, son, there's a call of God on your life. Can I pray for you? And the next thing I know, I stood up and the, I started to shake. And I'm like, what's this? I never saw the power of God before. Never felt it. Okay? And he says, follow me. And I come up front and he, he uh, lays his hand on me. And he says, do you know the Holy Spirit? I go, I don't know. I went to a Methodist church. I think I heard it a couple times. Um, he goes, you know what tongues is? I said, you mean this? 
He goes, all right, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to let Jesus do the work. He prophesies over me. He says, son, you're a Gideon. You've been hiding in a wine cellar. But the Lord is visiting you with angelic power. And you're going to one day awaken the army of the Lord around the world. Okay? He lays his hand on me and bam, I hit the deck. Anybody hit the deck this week? I never saw anybody in my life hit the deck. Demoed, right? I never saw anybody get demoed. And so, boom, I'm laying on the floor. And I'm laying the first time in my life I felt peace. The first time ever I felt peace. So you can't tell me that when a person just says, yeah, I believe in Jesus and goes about their life, but they don't experience the power, you can't tell me that their life's changed. Okay, because one is a baptism of repentance. The other is a baptism of the fire of the Holy Ghost. And I had never experienced the fire of the Holy Ghost. Okay, so I'm laying there in this peace. And my wife says, you were there for like 30 minutes. And I'm like, I, all I can feel, I, it was like, like everything that I was angry at with the world left me because I felt the peace of God. All of a sudden, I sit up, and the prophet guy's back in the pulpit. He's going about his business. He zeroes in on me. He jumps out off the pulpit. He lays his hand on me, and he says, pray. And all of a sudden, and I'm praying, boom, I fall out again. Well, I was, I was demo, okay? <laughs> they literally picked me up at the end, poured me into the car. Shelly drives us home. Um, and we're like, what was that? Yeah. What was that? Jesus is real. Why didn't we ever experience this before? Why didn't anybody tell me that when I was 18? Why didn't anybody go out on the street and hunt me down? Why didn't they come get me? Why did the ones who know stay in the church and not come get me? I was both ecstatic and angry. Why? I 18 years or 20 years, why? Why? The years of depression, why did I chug beers to numb the pain? Why? But she, when she goes to bed, it's like 1 a.m. and I'm, I'm sitting, I go, my daughter, my oldest daughter was staying in a friend's house. So I walked over and I'm, it's pitch black. I keep the light off and I'm shaking, man. I'm trembling, I'm weeping because I know he's real. He's alive. And I'm sitting, I sat down on a bed. And when I sat down on a bed, he, this, this heavy presence sat down beside me. I felt the bed go in. It was like I looked at him. And he, 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 he starts to speak to me. He starts to say, it's all right, man. And he starts to show me every stupid thing I ever did in my life. And it's like he was washing all the junk away. And that went on for like two hours. So at like 3 a.m., he, he shifts it. And he goes, now we're going to talk about what you're going to do. He says, will you speak for me? And I said, I don't know anything about you. I don't even know what your Bible says. He's like, I'm not interested in you knowing the Bible. I'm interested in you knowing me. Yeah. And that may be shocking to a religious man, but I wasn't a religious man. I had no religion in me. I didn't, I didn't sit in church. I didn't know anything. And he's, telling, he's saying, will you speak for me? And I'm like, I don't know anything. I, and this conversation went on for at least three hours till about six in the morning, Okay. 
And finally, when he asked the last time, he says, listen, will you speak for me? And I said, all right. I cut Jesus' deal. Anybody cut Jesus' deal? I said, I was afraid to speak. You don't understand. The depression, the drinking, everything. I was afraid to be in front of people. Okay? So the fact that I'm standing in front of you, the fact that I stand in front of 10,000 people in India is a, is a miracle. I can claim nothing because when I would stand in people, I would shake. All right? And so finally he says, all right, here's the deal. Will you speak for me? And I said, all right. If you ask me to speak, I'll speak, but I'm not just going to raise my hand. And it was like, boom. But the first, the first time ever in my heart, I said yes to what he asked me. And if that was the end of the story, that'd be cool. But that wasn't the end of the story. Okay? I run over, I jump in the shower. That had happened on Saturday night, so it's now Sunday morning. And Shelly looks at me and she says, I think we need to go back to that church. And I said, okay. And I didn't say anything about, it was wild enough, me laying on the floor and being called out by this prophetic guy, but sitting on the bed and having a six-hour conversation with Jesus, that's like a whole new level, all right? And so I said, all right. And so I, we jump in the car, we, we pull into the parking lot, go in, worship, and prophetic guy speaking again, he jumps in the pulpit, starts to talk. And all of a sudden, he did the same thing he did the night before. Ten minutes into his message, he sits there and he goes like this. And all of a sudden, he zeroed in on me. He walked back the aisle. Either he runs back the aisle. And he says, son, I heard you had a conversation last night. He says, I heard you cut a deal with Jesus. That if you were asked to speak, you would speak. And so... Get your butt up here, son. He literally grabbed me. He grabbed me. Walked me up in front of the church. And he's a big dude. He's like 6'5", 280. He, he, he's like this dominant force. And he, boom, hits me in the back. And he says, preach. And I'm like, I'm like oh my gosh. Preach. And these words start coming out of my mouth. Wow. And I'm standing in front of a group of people about this, about this large. And I said, I don't know if you've ever heard Jesus, but he speaks. I talked to him all night long. In five minutes, 30 people were laying on their face, weeping at the altar. And all I can do is shake and tremble. Because a gift came out of me. Because a prophet came. And nobody spoke to me. But knew Jesus so profoundly that he pulled a gift out of me. Wow. And you may say, why am I so bold? You know why? Because I know there's gifts hiding in every yes. one of you. Yes, yes. And my assignment is to reach in you and pull them out. To get people positioned. To get people who are deliverers to be deliverers. Yes. To get people who are going to raise armies to raise those armies. Those who are going to be preachers. Those who are going to be, who heal the sick. Those hey. who are going to take care of the kids. Hey. Those who are going to go on the streets. You are the army. You are the army. You are the army. You are the army. Do you know that? I hear the Lord say, I've come to untie my colt. I hear the Lord say, I've come to equip my bride. And just like... 
the Israel nation when I called them the first time and took them up that mountain. I've sent my Holy Spirit to reach into you, to properly position you, and properly pull you to a place that you can never go on your own. And all I'm looking for is a simple yes. A simple yes to my baptism. A simple yes to my power. A simple yes to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That you would value my gift to you as much as I value it. Amen? So church, I'm speaking to you today. There's prophecy going to fall on people. There's equipping going to fall on people. Because the Lord has positioned His bride so deeply this week that no longer is she going to can be content on the outer chamber, but she, she has to get to the inner chamber of the bedroom. She has to get to the place of intimacy where dreams and visions and prophecy are actually sunk into the hearts of people who will become the army of the Lord. Amen? 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 So let me do this. The first thing I want to do is I want to pray for marriages. Because I know the conviction of the Holy Spirit is falling on some people in here. You don't have to come confess everything you did, but the Lord's going to reorder. He's going to reorder your marriage. Peace is going to come into places that you never had peace before. Because, because until the marriages in the house get healed, there's a limitation on the growth of the body. All right? Lord, I take authority over every Jezebel spirit that is working in these marriages. That has made the man a female and made the female a man. I call into place the rightful order of marriages. That the husband would be head of, of the marriage. That he would hear the voice of the Lord for his family. That the wife would be properly positioned to receive. And that there would be no brokenness. There would be no separation. There would be no tearing away anger and resentment. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, for the healing power to come upon the hearts of both. Lord, I pray where there's been infidelity. Lord, that you would heal their hearts and there would be mass repentance in that marriage. Lord, I pray, Lord, for the baptism of the Holy Ghost to come upon them. Lord, let it come upon them right now in the name of Jesus. Let the grace of healing. Come to the marriages in this house. Be healed in Jesus' name. Be healed. I command the marriages healed. In Jesus' name. Shamanol Sikte Brena Ambana Embre. Nande Brena. Nande Brena Ambrea. Rombe Ambrea. Is there anybody in here? who's never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, who's never prayed in tongues like my testimony, anybody who's never experienced the power of God, you say, here's the deal, guys. You may think you're good, but here's the deal. You can do married, married people can sit down for me. In Acts chapter 19, Paul is walking into Ephesus. He's about to unleash a revival. You got to get this. He's about to unleash a revival in Ephesus. And he comes across 12 believers. And he says, have you received Jesus when you believe? And they said, we didn't even know there, there was a baptism of Jesus. 
And, and, and Paul says, what have you been baptized into? He says, they, they answer and say, we repented of our sin. We've been baptized in the old covenant under John. Right? And Paul says, no, no, no. You need to be baptized in the fire of the Holy Ghost in the baptism of Christ. It's a spiritual baptism. Water baptism is an act of repentance. You recognizing you need a Savior. Well, the Savior has come, and if you have not received the baptism of fire, guess what? You're in the position of Jesus commanding his, his believers in the, on the day of Pentecost, don't leave this city until I baptize you only go for fire. Right? And so when that happened, guess what? The 12 men got baptized in the Holy Ghost, and there was an absolute outpouring in Ephesus. The bride was properly positioned, baptized, to receive the power of the Holy Ghost, right? And all of Ephesus was set on fire because they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Do you value the gift enough to lay down your own will, to be vulnerable, and to give the Holy Spirit to somebody? Come on. Thank you for joining this week's episode of the School of the Holy Spirit. For more information or to request David at your church or conference, please go to davidcuppet.org, D-A-V-I-D-C-U-P-P-E-T-T dot O-R-G, or fivestoneministries.org. You can also find the School of the Holy Spirit podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Charisma Magazine. For a deeper dive into the Holy Spirit, we encourage you to purchase David's new book entitled Wisdom-Filled Warriors, available on Amazon. We pray that you will encounter the Holy Spirit in a transforming way and become all that Christ has prophesied over your life.